0: Hi, I'm Holly Cairns at TD for Cork Southwest, and this is my podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Inside the Chamber with Holly Cairns. My name is Claire O'Reilly, and I'm sitting here in Turk Head in West Cork with Holly, our Social Democrats TD for Cork Southwest, and Richard, her parliamentary assistant. In the background, you might hear some snoring, and that is hey hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so it's the 20th of October today and we have gathered to discuss the goings on of this month and what is coming up next month in the Dáil and in the constituency of Cork South So Holly, um, we'll start with you. How was your October?
0: I'm going to start with some of the highs. Yeah, good. so yeah, first good. and foremost, I'm now an aunt.
1: Woo-hoo!
0: <laughs> My little nephew's called Luca um, that's definitely the best part of October as far as I'm concerned. What else for highs? Um, Skibreen Secondary School transition year students came to the Dole. That was a nice little high of the month. And oh, one of my favourite parts of October was I got to go and see my grandmother speak at the 50th anniversary of Cherish, which is now one family, an organisation that was set up about 50 years ago, for single mums. Um, and yeah, it was such a nice event because like my dad flew home for it, loads of my aunties are there, my cousin Poppy, Barry came up for it and it was just yeah incredible to see her speaking at it, she spoke so well, very proud day for all of us. Yeah they were my favourite parts of October I think.
1: That's great and I suppose October was um, pretty dominated by the um, private members motion Mm -hmm. that you brought to the door. and can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so I suppose something that we've been working on since the election, really, has been the issue around mother and baby homes, the Commission's report. It's quite a long story, but maybe just to very briefly recap on it, because we've actually never done a podcast Mm -hmm. on this Mm -hmm. issue. And it was really actually felt... I felt almost, although that event, the anniversary of one family, was so lovely and special, I actually felt quite angry at it as well, because... It's like, oh, fifty 50 years later, like five decades later. And those exact same people that the organisation was set up to support. So when my dad was growing up, there was always young uh, women in the house that would come and stay with them until they gave birth so they wouldn't have to go into institutions. Mm-hmm. And we were almost talking about it like, it was so far in the past, imagine that back then. And those same people that same week were being treated so appallingly by the same state that it's actually just... It was a a real kind of reminder, like, society doesn't accept that. (laughs) The way we were all talking about it, the event was so, like, like, how could they? But actually, the same nonsense is still happening today. And it was just after the election that the commission investigation came out with their report. And the report found that none of those appalling things happened. So with that, it let the church, the state and pharmaceutical companies off scot-free. And now we have a redress scheme that is very much based off of that report. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when the report found that there was no wrongdoing, why would the redress scheme be any good? It's not proportionate to the crimes committed. It's not proportionate to the suffering caused. None of those things. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a big focus of ours as somebody on the committee that oversees the legislation in relation to that, and... There's been a few different bits of legislation that we could really spend all day talking about them. But there was the birth information tracing legislation around giving adopted people their own information, which they've been denied for a long time, unlike anybody else. And then there was the Burials Act, which is around the dignified exhumation and reinterment of the remains uh, in tomb mother and baby home. And that excluded all other mother and baby homes you know, there's a lot we could talk about, but I suppose mm-hmm. the focus of this week is the redress scheme. So last week, uh, we, would Social Democrats, tabled the motion. There's a lot of things that we're calling for, but I suppose to highlight three of the main things, it's that, that the compensation would be proportionate to the kind of magnitude of the suffering caused in the crimes committed, because at the moment you might get a little of 5,000 euro. And then there's the kind of really crazy standout thing, which is that if you were less than six months in an institution you get absolutely nothing. Um that amounts for almost the majority of people in institutions. If you were boarded out or adopted under six months old. Um, and then yeah, th- basically <laughs> um, the redress we we table that motion, the government cynically passed it, but they have no intention of, of acting on it. And then this week the minister brought it back to the doll again. And it's just wild because he really has no defence for any of it. Um, none of the government TDs have been showing up to even speak on it. Mm. It's really just so obvious. I don't know quite how to articulate how kind of laid bare it is, how ridiculous this scheme is. And in a way, it's not a surprise because similar things happened with the redress for Magdalen Laundries, for industrial schools. And, you know, here we go against the latest example. But we kind of have this situation where... Like a lot of the survivors and people who are have always been such strong activists around this are like really worn out. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had the Burials Act, we've had the birth information mm-hmm. tracing legislation, and then we've had also decades of this. And it's just the latest example of treating these people appallingly. And I just don't know. Like it came back to the dole this week and then it has to go back to the committee for amendments where we'll debate them. Then it goes back to the doll to debate those amendments again. Then it goes to the Shannon. I'm like, is the minister actually going to continue with his ridiculous lines throughout all of that? So when you say, for example, oh, why is somebody excluded who didn't spend more than six months of an, in an institution? Like we've had UN experts on human rights. We've had um, clinicians in Ireland, everybody getting onto the minister to say, this is an outrage, like an absolute disgrace. And he keeps saying, oh, like people who were less than six months in an institution, they probably won't remember. He knows himself, that's ridiculous. And the Minister of Children especially should know the first six months of a child's life do have an impact. That's what all the experts are telling him. So even if he doesn't know, he's been kind of told, you know. And he just keeps kind of standing over it. And, oh, well, people actually just wanted their birth information. It's like, of course people wanted their birth information. They're also entitled to redress. I just don't think he'll be able to keep it up throughout. But ultimately, it looks like he's still... Going ahead with that at the moment, anyway, at the very least.
1: And so last week you called for uh, a free vote, is it? When this legislation comes up in the Dáil?
0: This week you called for that, for a vote okay. of conscience, yeah. Because like that, you see all of the government TDs turning up to speak on the eviction ban, on the energy supports. You know, generally speaking, government TDs will turn up to speak at a lot of things. And then with this, every time if you watch the dull debates on it, and there has been a lot of dull debates on this, it is literally Minister Roderick O'Gorman sitting there on his own. The entire side of the chamber empty where the government seats are. Sometimes Anne Rabbit will turn up and sit there too. And that's it. Yeah. So
1: they kind of, they have to be there. They have to be there. They're the ministers, but the backbenchers...
0: Nobody turns up. And then, like yesterday when we were debating it, one government TD turned up. That was Emer Higgins in Fine Gael. And she... Like, made the same kind of criticisms that everybody else was making, albeit in a different kind of way. She was kind of saying, Well done, I think the minister's done a really good job, but this six month thing is ridiculous. Mm. You know, all mm. of the things that everyone else was saying. So it's just, it's so blatant and so obvious. And it's kind of like, what's the word for that, like, daylight crime? <laughs> daylight robbery. Daylight, daylight daylight robbery. robbery. But yeah. it's not yeah. robbery, but it's like, yeah. it's all of it is just amounting to the latest cover up. So they're covering up for the church, they're covering up for the state, when ultimately, the church profited off of crimes, you know, human trafficking, like illegal adoption, illegal vaccine trials. Like, these things are unimaginable. Not to mention then what it resulted in for people, like your baby being taken from you. And thinking about it this week with my nephew being born, it actually really brings it home to me. I'm like, imagine my sister's not married, you know, if her child was taken from her now. I just can't. I think we need to remember. The reality of what people actually mm-hmm. went through mm. and then it's no surprise really that the minister is just sitting there in his own reading out these ridiculous scripts from the department and all it is is another cover-up so the church will get away with it whereas the other thing that we were calling for was that the report findings need to be corrected because then of course if the report found the truth then the church could be held to account and when it's one of the richest organizations in the world as are like GlaxoSmithKline or whatever, with the pharmaceutical company, maybe not one of the richest in the world, but I mean, yeah. they're pretty well off. And then yeah. it's like the religious orders involved, like um, Bon Secours who ran mm-hmm. two, like their healthcare providers, private healthcare providers at home and internationally, absolutely raking it in. They apologised, but aren't necessarily going to pay anything. So it's like they acknowledged that it was wrong. The report found that they did nothing wrong, so they're not going to pay. Mm-hmm. And it's just, the whole thing is a mess and that mess started when the report came out we tried to flag that time and time again at the time we had a private members motion to extend the commission mm-hmm. for them to explain their findings their methodology like this is a commission of investigation that took years and yeah. didn't even produce its methodology like how did they come to these findings
1: and they refused to come before the committee wasn't it at the time to yeah to over explain. and over again
0: mm-hmm. and then turned up an oxford seminar which was just ridiculous. They wouldn't come before the octus Committee, but one of the commissioners went to an Oxford seminar. All of it has just continuously, as well, caused a lot of hurt.
1: Yeah,
2: that
1: sounds right.
2: And so, sorry. Uh, like the We have an instance here whereby we can contrast exactly what survivors want because um, the, the minister opened up a consultation that was done by... Um, a, by a group and it's called it's called the Oak Report because they're, they're the people who did it mm-hmm. but they, they specifically ask what survivors want mm-hmm. and they, like it's in there in black and white it's that we're, we're not you know when Holly's seeking for things this isn't like a wish list we've made up the, this is the things that he asked the survivors what they wanted they outlined things like they wanted all um, survivors to be included regardless of time spent in the institution they wanted acknowledgement of things like legal adoption being boarded out um, and they they um, also wanted, which is important actually to note as well, as a an interim scheme, as well, and um, none of which, he's um, paying attention to, mm-hmm. and I suppose like uh, 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 we find that particularly problematical in that you would ask a highly vulnerable people to group of their opinion on something, yeah. and then just completely ignore it, and then tell them you're listening to them, yeah, um,
0: and that's after the fact that the survivor testimony was called quote contaminated by the commissioners. It's like. <laughs> time and time again the same thing i suppose it's important to notice that survivors obviously like any group of people are not this one homogenous yeah. group that all yeah. feel the same about this mm. there are many people who don't want to redress, who don't want to find out anything about their birth information they want to continue with their like you know there's all the different groups but like there's like I remember being on the late debate about right, this recently with Senator Barry Ward, I think is his mm. name, Fianna Senator, and he's like, there's no black and white, there's no right and wrong. And like, actually, mm. <laughs> to a certain extent, there is. When there's crimes like this, what should the law do? The right thing. The, there's black and white in yeah. relation to a lot of this. And of the evidence that they gathered through the Oak report, the number one finding was for one, yeah, they wanted all survivors to be included in the scheme the thing that came up the most in terms of what should equate to more or less redress was that the the thing that caused the most harm was that separation of families, forced family separation, mm-hmm. not knowing where your child is or not knowing who your parent is. Um, and then there was other things that came after that, like dehumanising treatment, loads of different things. And quite far down was time spent in an institution. Yeah. And the minister somehow... carried out that report so people are going oh this is it's nice to be consulted this is the type of approach that makes sense and then he picks out this one thing time suspension institution decides to run with that and say it only starts after six months it's an absolute disgrace
1: and what can people um, listening to the podcast do at this moment in time I know you referenced that the activists the survivors are very tired now Um, this has been going on for a long time Mm. but the fight isn't over this is going to be coming up before the Dáil and before the Shannon, So, what can we do to help?
0: More than you think, I would say to listeners: like speaking up makes a huge difference. And the Irish Council for Civil Liberties have um, come out about how kind of flawed this redress scheme is, and they've set up a, a link where you can easily click to get in touch with your TDs. And that public pressure really helps because been cited by a lot of journalists recently the government have underestimated the public support Mm. behind Mm -hmm. survivors of these institutions and I guess as a public it's really helpful if you let TDs know that how, how you feel about it and try and push for them to change this scheme to really just do at least one thing right by these people. It's not too late. It still does have to go through the houses through all those different stages. We still have a chance to put forward amendments. Generally speaking if the Minister makes any changes He'll do it when it goes to the Shannon because he wouldn't want to admit defeat from TDs on the opposition benches in the door. So it's about putting that pressure on throughout that time. Now, next week, the week after, um, until it gets to the Shannon. So um, we can share this thing in the description of the podcast and people can click on that. It takes a second. You put in your constituency, it figures out what your TDs are and there's like a sample letter there. So it makes it easier for people to just show that bit of support for people who need it and deserve it. Okay. So yeah, I suppose the month was very dominated by that, but Mm. there's also a lot of other things, and like it's not realistic for us to get to all of them in the podcast, but I suppose things that stand out are the common fisheries policy, so that's something that kind of happens in the background, I think we don't often realise it. And of course, very predictably, the Minister has come to a position on this through... Moria engagement with the producer organisations but has somehow just left out the inshore sector again they don't even pay a bit of lip service to them so that's something we're trying to highlight. It's things around like the bypass in Inishannon and Bandon, just constantly backed up with traffic, HGVs going through the centre of Bandon, huge tailbacks in Inishan at rush hour Um, we're doing a bit of work on fostering um, family resource centres in Skibberine and Bandon. needing permanent homes is something we're constantly working mm-hmm. on um, and raising a, every opportunity, the Children's Committee, the Disability Committee, in the Dole. Um There's this ongoing issue in Bantry Hospital, the need for multi-annual funding, for them to actually win the appeal. As usual, there's wastewater treatment plant issues going on that we're working on. Um, there was an EPA report that just shows how disgraceful the entire national situation is in relation to this. Mm-hmm. Raw sewage going into our waters. Um, And I suppose the amount of investment needed that very clearly is not happening. So with a big budget like that, that's the time to kind of invest in something. And I suppose it just highlights that kind of terrible approach the government is taking of payouts rather than investment. And uh, we're paying the environmental cost of that. And we will be for a long time to come if something doesn't change in relation to investment there. Um, And I suppose one of the other things that we were highlighting was the need for a citizens assembly on drugs. Um, and that's actually, it's a really important issue that we don't hear enough about because you know the way we'd all see loads of like road safety campaigns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like lots of drink aware stuff and um, the need to wear your seatbelt and the risks of driving when you're tired. Rightly, you know, we've got a lot of deaths from road traffic accidents, but what people might not know is there's actually more deaths from drug related causes. I think it's almost two a day almost, yeah. almost two a day there's no kind of you know oh what can we do to change this in terms of policy things like you know we see like the introduction of the nct test to make sure the cars are safe from the road uh things like penalty point systems whatever it might be to try and reduce those deaths we don't see anything like that in relation to drugs it's just the same a failed approach being pursued kind of constantly and you know, it's different things we can look at in terms of taking a health-based approach rather than a criminal one. So people being prosecuted doesn't necessarily help anybody ever come off the drug that they mm-hmm. might be struggling to, to kick or whatever. It's just always the same kind of war on drugs, if it's called, and never a kind of new approach. And in the Programme for Government, mm-hmm. there was a commitment that there'd be a Citizens' Assembly on biodiversity, crucial, A Citizens' Assembly on drugs, absolutely crucial. And a Citizens' Assembly on a Dublin mayor. And, like, I'd be the first person to put my hand up and support, you know, more power to local government. I think it's really needed. And that directly elected mayor approach, I think, is really important. I think it will help benefit all communities if we had more directly elected mayors and more power to local communities rather than that centralised approach. But in terms of urgency, we know that, like... Like, that almost two people dying every day in Ireland from drug-related deaths. The fact that they've prioritised the Dublin Mayor, Citizen Assembly, over the drugs one, I think just shows how far up the priority list this is for government. And that's, like, not really at all. And something that just really needs to be highlighted more, I think. Yeah.
2: And I think as well, like, it's part of when you were talking about it is because, like, we're fully acknowledging this is a complex issue. Yeah and there are other jurisdictions that have done different things that can work and i suppose like the advantage of something like a citizens assembly is it does offer the space and um, to actually go into nuance and i think the, the mm-hmm. model can sometimes be critiqued for politicians pushing something off but i think it also has shown that that it, it that it can work because it, it provides space to look at things and to say what works and different things and experts can talk about it you know That's it. it
0: is so nuanced and it is so complex that there needs to be that proper examination of it through a Citizens' Assembly. And that's the, the key and the thing that we've been calling for this month is to accelerate that yeah. Citizens' Assembly as much as possible. Oh, there was questions in from somebody. Okay.
2: Oh, wow. Let's go for it.
0: Someone's listening. Hey, folks, love the podcast. I'd like to ask Holly what the most surprising things were for her when she first learned how the dual business of government works. because a up? new TD, I mean, clunky question, but I hope you know what I mean. Also, what are the three changes he would just suggest to make things work more democratic or accountable? I would love to hear Holly's team answer these questions too.
1: Oh, God.
0: Oh, mm. the pressure. Okay, this yeah, is changed it up. I'm going to question okay. you guys. <laughs> okay, right, okay. Okay. What's surprising? Um, okay, guys, questions for you two. Claire, what was the most surprising thing when you first learned how the doll business or government works?
1: oh that's a good question i mean it's not specific to the doll i suppose but i was kind of shocked at when you go on tv holly mm. um that sometimes government tds or ministers they have input into certain subjects won't be raised and i, that, I found that kind of shocking
0: mm. and vincent brown remember she'd leave an empty chair
1: wouldn't he wouldn't take
0: on. any of that. To, Things yeah, have yeah. changed. I agree yeah. with you. That is shocking, Richard. Yeah.
2: Um, this, this like, like it's, it's. This sounds like such a reverse, mm. like <laughs> compliment <laughs> to ourselves, because we're new to it. But like, there's a whole cohort of public representatives that do not take the job as seriously as we do. Yeah. And I know we're new to the game, yeah. and you're doing different, and are we just earnest fools? <laughs> but, but like, we take it seriously, and what we do, we do we do as best as we can. Yeah. And we try to work on things like amendments. A lot. And we try to work on things like legislation in the background, and you go to, like, you know, 90% plus of your committees, and if you're not making a committee, it's because you're speaking in the doll or there's another... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But like, it's one of the things whereby you, you've talked about this before, but this idea is that like there's people on committees and they just do not show up. Mm-hmm. Routinely. Never. never. And, yep. and and this is back to the importance of the committee. You were talking like in, in the children's committee this month, talking about vital stuff around um, the foster care system mm. and, and the challenges facing it. And talking about um, young people um, who are sort of in vulnerable circumstances Um, but they're sort of in that sort of early adult cohort and they're sort of, the unfortunate horrible phrase is aged out of services and they're left highly vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And like you had um, Simon in talking about that same community, you had Hooslin talking about that. Like this is like such important stuff and nobody is showing up.
0: Yep. Not to mention everything we do in the Disability Committee. Yeah. And there's people like, it happens the odd time someone turns up to the committee I'm like, are they on the committee? Or one of our reports are released and I see their picture on it.
2: Yeah, Excuse that's yeah, yeah, me? That's, yeah.
0: You're on the committee. Yeah, yeah. So
2: I would suggest if you whatever constituents you're in, check up uh, your TDs, what committees are they on, and uh, you can, you can see do they attend them. You can see by their speaking.
1: So there is open. records of. They, like
2: is there? well, I don't I don't know if the I don't think I don't think the attendance is publicly available, but you can say if if my TD is on this committee, I can look up what he's what he's he or she has spoken on the past week, past two weeks, past month. Oh, and none of it's on the committee. Yeah. Mm
0: Mhm. Yeah. It's a
2: bit of work, but I, I, I think it might be just worth
0: worth doing. Worth doing. Sending it. Surprising that a journalist actually writes about that or looks into it. There we go. There's a hot tip there for (laughs) somebody who's ever listening to the podcast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. (laughs) So then, also, what three changes would you suggest to make things work more democratically?
1: Well, I think when we were talking um there about the directly elected mayor, and just about yeah decentralizing de- the power so that local mm. government has more power I think that's definitely something that struck me when you were in the county council and just the amount of red tape and the power that the executive of the council had yeah. if they were not elected and how the county councillors were, undermined and given massive documents to read two minutes before a vote oh my god I forgot
0: about that yeah yeah. I just think it's just theatre councillors going in like speaking and seemingly having some kind of decision making power
1: and also just undermines like say if you voted for a councillor and then four years later you're like oh wait they haven't done anything yeah um I think sometimes councillors pretend they've done things because 100%. 100%. You know, anyway, um, but you know, it makes you less likely to vote for them again, but it's the system, I think, mm. really, that's really broken. So for me, yeah, more, more power, to, more the power to the people. That was I the Fine Gael
0: Labour government that took the power away from local governments. Yeah, yeah. Disaster. Richard? Yeah, I'd
2: agree with subsidiarity. Is, yeah. is that is, the word? <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> like decentralised. It, yeah, which yeah. is As much power <laughs> at a local level as possible, but the problem is in reforming that as well. so and um, particularly bring back town councils is 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 easy straight away i think everyone they they worked and there was a clear link be, between us and um, increased role for that like if you look at the our ratios of public representatives at local government to other jurisdictions, like we're way out. Mm-hmm. Oh. Like we're severely underrepresented. And again it's what what people can do. So like increased budgetary powers, increased actual provision over things. And that means also like nobody likes people don't like distance in popular is that counsellors are doing full time roles for part time jobs or for yeah. part time wages. Mm-hmm. And that's just disgraceful. They should be paid properly and then they can do that job properly. And um, and they can be and should be held accountable for that. Um, I'll put that as number one. <laughs> um, you asked uh, for three. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah, number two, <laughs> it definitely. And this is something we've also talked about as well. As I think, and this would require changes to things. Is that um, the 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 chair of a committee or the chair of the the isn't the speaker, the Count Corla, the Alaskan Corla, has the capacity to direct somebody to answer a question? Yeah, mm-hmm. would be. Incredible. Would be game changing. <laughs> it would change Absolutely. everything. You know, uh, I'd say there'd be a lot
0: more sick days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, can't go in today and answer that.
2: And, and another thing, sort of that crosses over with my old with the with the the first point as well. One of the things that actually relates directly to what we're talking about mother and baby homes is that there should be a greater facilitation of consultations. They shouldn't even, even be called consultations, but there should be engagement with people around issues that affect them. That um, ministers our government should be able to... They, they should at least demonstrate how they have or haven't considered things. So, like, one mm-hmm. of the things we've raised is that, like, this, And um, Holly brings this up in her weekly updates on social media. There's always consultations open for everything mm-hmm. for different departments. But what they understand that to be is they say, here is a load of complex documents... Give us feedback in the next four weeks. Mm-hmm. And like that's. tick box. 100%. <laughs> but like how, to, how does like. There's so many people. And like we do it, like we, we, we have barely enough time to go for the really big ones that we can do. Mm. And. But like there's no. like, used with the decision, don't even think about it. There's a format we follow. But like, if you like, what does that feel like for you if you've never done that? Like, mm-hmm. you, there's no, there's no way to do it, um, and it's also it's highly exclusionary. Like, there's other models that they could go through. There's things like, like, like citizens assembly works for big things, but you could do that smaller. There's things like they're called citizens juries, or there's mm. other forms of like actually engaging with people and doing research and following those things. And I think that would help people make the link. People between what their experiences are, and what policy is, and how policy is just not formed by them. It's formed by primarily by civil servants who are working to different agendas that may or may not be yours. hundred mm-hmm.
0: percent. Love those. Yeah. yeah.
1: There you go. You fix that, Holly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <and laughs> There's then your list. The thing I would change is that mm. you guys should be in charge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Right. No. And of course we
1: need to move the move it all to Tipperary. Or somewhere central. I
2: think you're and interested. <laughs> I am for
1: yeah. Tipperary
0: <laughs> but I live in West Cork. <laughs> okay, right. you, so, you, you
1: did all right. <laughs> it's um, well, it's halfway, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I would love it. Mm-hmm. I would also love to get a TD and tip because Tipperary's a five-seater.
1: Yeah, because we definitely
0: need a candidate there. Yeah, Claire, mm-hmm. so you to get your thinking cap on. Absolutely, or our listeners will. Yeah. Yeah, if you're interested in actually wherever you are, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, <laughs> <laughs>
1: and thank you to Taryn wasn't it who sent in that question Taryn that yeah. was great
0: great yeah. questions and then what is coming up next month We be lots more on the redress scheme
2: the redress scheme will be committees and going through that uh, there's the work life balance bill which sort of sounds somewhat benign but it's, <laughs> it's it sort of has different elements with it which is quite good it's got extended provision for leave and um, for care of other people There's also supposedly domestic violence leave within it but the Minister published the bill and it didn't contain provisions for domestic violence leave but he has promised that it will come in at committee stage which makes it hard for Holly to engage with it because um, we don't know what he's going to say until we're at the point where Mm. we can suggest changes. It just removes the opportunity
0: to scrutinise it yeah
2: and um, so it's we'll only be able to, like that it's a very limited point which is which is just frankly bad lawmaking and well in, in indicates that it wasn't prioritised to be put in it and um, but there are elements around there are technical elements we're going with it and then uh, the redress scheme as holly says, yeah it'll go through committee stage which is the really technical stage where it's talking through amendments and then it goes back to the doll which is its amendments, but it's a it's a little bit mm. more free flowing. It's probably a little bit more accessible to people. I think that like I think as as we talked about previous podcasts, like the idea is that sometimes the most important part of our legislation is the most inaccessible. Like because committees are slow and hard, and mm. it's trying to keep track of everything. Mm. So like if you're watching from outside, it can be it's really hard to keep track of these things mm-hmm. when it's actually somewhere some of the most important point is happening. Um, that's all we know of at the moment. But then there'll be. Whatever else happens in the news or whatever else comes true.
0: It's always the thing you don't see coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously the ongoing work and all of the issues that we named there, the common fisheries policy, mm. the issues with the bypasses, Bantry Hospital, home births. It's all going on, I yeah. suppose. Energy crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, Particularly for SMEs. My God. Yeah. Um,
1: I think we agreed last that we'd end on a high note, but did we start on a high <laughs> note with start your with notes. your nephew? Oh, with Luca. <laughs> yeah.
0: Another high note.
1: You just keep talking about Luca if you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was great. Hey, he's going out.
2: Hey, he's going out. That probably indicates we're time to be done. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: She's in a rush.
2: i just got bits to do. Oh,
0: that was fun actually. Please follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The music theme is Safety Net by Riot, taken from the YouTube audio library.